welcome to the April 2023 edition of Agribusiness News, brought to you by the Farm Advisory Service. Agribusiness News helps you to scan your horizon, prepare for industry changes, and keep you abreast of the latest research and policy updates. Along with our regular monthly updates on policy briefs, cereals and oilseed rape, beef, sheep, and milk, in this edition, we're also bringing you two sector overview updates on the budget and Northern Ireland Protocol. We'll also be bringing you news on the 2022-23 Farm Business Survey and Seasonal Workers. Hello, my name is Anna Sellers and I am the editor of this month's edition. First up, we have this month's news. March has been an eventful month in Scottish politics, with Nicola Sturgeon stepping down as First Minister after nearly nine years in the role, and Hamza Yusuf being announced as the new party leader. Yusuf promises to deliver on poverty, public services and a fair green economy and his appointment is seen as a positive move for continuing the coalition with the Scottish Greens with an agenda focusing on climate change and maximising Scotland's natural capital. With regards to rural, Yusuf has promised investment in infrastructure and transport and into rural housing plan to purchase or long lease housing for key workers and others in rural areas in need of affordable housing. He also vows to support proposals to allow EU migrant workers to work under a rural visa pilot scheme to tackle post-Brexit shortages in labour in the agriculture and hospitality sectors. A new cabinet was appointed this week, with Mary Goujon remaining as Rural Affairs, Land Reform and Islands Secretary, following Kate Forbes's turning down of the position. Mary McAllen has been appointed as Net Zero and Just Transition Minister, moving on from her position as Minister for Environment, Biodiversity and Land Reform. All in all, the Cabinet has seen quite a reshuffle, with a number of senior ministers moving on, and five of the new Cabinet under the age of 40. The new Cabinet inherits a relatively new budget, announced on the 15th of December 2022, with the new annual budget increasing by £637 million in cash terms, or £223 million in real terms, compared with the 2022-23 budget. Any changes as to how that budget will be channelled remains to be seen. Moving on to this month's policy briefs. From the 28th of March 2023, payments for the 2022 Beef Support Scheme will be paid at the following rates. Mainland, £101.42 per animal. Island, £144.48 per animal. The submission period for the 2023 single application form opened on the 15th of March 2023 and will close at midnight on Monday the 15th of May 2023. A point to note for this year's scheme is that if the area of land has changed since the 15th of May 2022, businesses must submit a land change notification online using the customer proposal function with the LIPIS map viewer on rural payments and services or submit a paper land maintenance form with supporting documentation to their local area office. Land change notifications must be submitted before the 16th of April 2023, otherwise they will not be processed until after the 15th of May 2023, which could result in a delay in payment. This year, the EFA agroforestry option now includes stands of woodland established under the small or farm woodland option of the forestry grant scheme. Businesses claiming such plantings towards any EFA requirement must use code EFAAF in the EFA section of the application. 
As part of the Agriculture Reform Programme, the Scottish Government has announced plans to replace the Small Farms Grant Scheme. The new Small Producers Pilot Fund will be aimed at increasing the proportion of food grown and processed by small farms and smallholders, creating and growing more localised food supply chains, enhancing producer value, helping individual small producers to increase their resilience and to enhance their contribution to the rural economy, supporting small producers to develop their skill set and cutting food miles and enhance sustainability. The pilot scheme will be developed in partnership with the Scottish Agricultural Organisation Society and agriculture, smallholding and food industry stakeholders. The industry-led steering group met for the first time on the 28th of March 2023 with the remit of designing a range of new support measures that will support local food supply chains, improve access to the right training opportunities and will help link together small producers into existing abattoirs. The pilot scheme is expected to be launched later this year. Aimed at improving homes in remote and rural communities, the Scottish Government has announced enhanced support measures under the Croft House Grant Scheme. Grant rates have been increased from 40% to 60% of the total project cost, with a ceiling of £28,000 for standard priority areas and £38,000 for high priority areas within any 10-year period. Grants for new houses have the same financial ceilings based on priority area. Standard and high priority areas are defined by postcode. As crofting tenure requires crofters to live within 20 miles of their croft and provide their own housing, the Croft House Grant Scheme can assist crofters to meet the statutory duty. Eligible applications are assessed using a scoring system, which is designed to target support of those who would not be able to build or improve their home without grant support. There are four application rounds each year, March, June, September and December. The deadline for the next application round is the 1st of June 2023. Key date to note, 16th of April 2023. Submit land change notification online to avoid potential payment delay. Moving on to cereals and oilseed rape. Against the backdrop of bearish market sentiment on pricing, wheat prices this week bounced back, prompting questions as to whether the market may have found its flaw. Two weeks ago, UK ex-farm grain was trading at £209 per tonne, before losing £17 per tonne last week. It has subsequently recovered some of those losses this week, to currently sit at the £200 per tonne mark. May 23 and November 23 futures are currently trading at £210 per tonne and £221 per tonne respectively. All this illustrates the change in the dynamic of our domestic market as two months ago old and new crop prices were at near parity and now we're seeing new crop futures trading at an £11 per tonne premium to the May position. Several factors continue to influence market movement short term. On the downside, cheap Russian supplies are continuing to pressure markets and looking towards new crop. Plentiful supplies are expected from Europe and US despite the drought, due to the increase in planted area. The reality of the residual 2022 harvest surplus and lack of its export pace is also still weighing on price, although UK grain remains competitive at these price levels. 
On the upside, the institutional investors, which had taken up short positions as prices were falling, have now closed them out, supporting a bounce back in price. And in a geopolitical context, there have been two announcements to support prices. Russia announced on Wednesday that top agricultural commodities trader Cargill will stop exporting its grain. And Glencore-based crops traders Viterra is also reportedly planning an exit from the Russian market, adding to uncertainty over the future of shipments from Black Sea ports. As well as the possible reduction in Ukrainian supply, a major weather event between now and harvest could see the tables turn. An adverse weather event either in the US, here or wider Europe is not uncommon at this time of year and would impact production for the coming harvest. There is also uncertainty as to the volumes of barley supplied out of Black Sea ports through 2023 and into 2024. Ukraine was the world's third largest barley exporter in 2021-22 and is expected to be ranked sixth this marketing season. But the country may lose further share of the global barley market in 23-24 with limited supplies of about 1 million tonne projected to be available for export. UK barley continues to price competitively within Europe and the export campaign as of late has been strong. As of the 20th of March, so far this season, the EU had imported 824,600 tonnes of UK origin barley, up from 605,800 tonnes at the same point last season. Barley prices continue to be weighed on by movement in wheat markets. Discount of ex-farm UK feed barley to UK feed wheat stood at £15.50 per tonne as of the 16th of March. With Scottish plantings yet to get underway, supply and demand is expected to be evenly matched, which bodes well for malting premiums. The total annual requirement for malting barley in Scotland is around 900,000 tonnes, of which the majority is required for Scotch whisky distilling. The total UK market for malting barley is around 1.8 million tonnes and so Scotland is a significant part of that total, despite having only around 10% of the arable area of the UK. Bearish sentiment continues for rapeseed, with the EU crop faring well. This decline is expected to continue as rapeseed supplies on the continent are forecast to increase. Prime cattle prices have continued to rise throughout March, with the tightness in the supply of cattle continuing to be a concern to the processors. R4L steer prices for the week ending 25th of March was 499.8 pence per kilogram. Recent data from QMS and BCMS show that the number of cattle in the 12 to 30 months age bracket is 3.3% lower than a year ago. A large contributor to that is the number of store cattle that continue to go south of the border. Towards the end of March, dead weight prices have risen to new highs, with prices well over 500 pence per kilogram achievable on full loads of in-spec, handy weight cattle. As the numbers of cattle available have tightened, some processors, in an attempt to secure more cattle, are willing to pay full weight on cattle up to their weight limit with no deductions on the heavier cattle. This is great news to finishers who have had to pay substantially more for store cattle in 2023 as it increases the possibility of a reasonable margin being made on these cattle. 
It is, however, somewhat frustrating as an industry as we had more significant progress in reducing carcass weights in response to clear market signals. In addition to weight limit changes, there is also more openness to contracts for cattle from processors, again to secure numbers. This has given many of the finishers who have signed up to them more confidence to keep buying in the store ring. Store cattle continue to be a very strong trade, with most weight bands averaging 300 pence per kilogram or more across the store sales in Scotland. Forward stores continue to be the most sought after, which is no surprise given the current finished price and the short-term confidence in the price. The trade for grazing cattle, while still being strong, is slightly more cautious due to the longer keep and uncertainty around prices long-term. Kulkai prices continue to be high as the demand for manufacturing beef continues and there are also fewer cows coming forward at this time of year. Deadweight cow price is now around 435 pence per kilogram and the live ring is often providing a stronger trade on the cows than deadweight can. There continues to be a concern around suckler cow numbers and the contraction of the breeding herd in Scotland with a 3.3% reduction in over 30 month beef bred females compared to a year ago and data from QMS and BCMS also illustrating fewer under 30 month beef bred females on farm than a year ago. This will mean by late 2024 there will be fewer stores and finished cattle available. The question will be where the demand will lie by that time. There appears to be less suckler herd dispersals being advertised than at the tail end of last year and whilst this may partly be down to the time of year It may also be that current cattle prices, both store and finished, may be encouraging beef producers to stay in the game. With many breeding cattle sales due in the coming months, it will be interesting to see what the value is in these cattle and whether the recent high prices are encouraging producers to reinvest in breeding stock. Moving on to sheep. The lamb trading year has been fairly distorted with high input costs, resulting in producers reducing the amount of inorganic fertiliser and purchased feed in sheep systems. This has had a knock-on effect on lamb growth, meaning excess lambs in the marketplace now late in the season affecting the price. Prime and cull trade is improving, as would be predicted with Ramadan from the 23rd of March to the 21st of April and Easter the 9th of April approaching. This year we'll see the first Muslim festival, Ramadan, in a cost of living crisis. AHDB have predicted that there will be a trend of a transition from lamb to cheaper meat such as mutton and chicken, or cheaper cuts such as mince and shoulder. The recent strong demand for ewes possibly demonstrates this already happening. In 2021, Muslim lamb sales accounted for 20% of UK lamb sales. To put this into perspective, 6.5% of the UK population is Muslim. Meat and Livestock Australia has recently launched their sheep industry forecast with some frightening statistics on their national flock growth. In 2023, the sheep flock will be the largest it's been in over 15 years at 78.75 million head, a 13% rise on their 10-year average. This is set for a further rise in 2024 to 79.5 million head, a 750,000 head increase, before dipping down to 78.52 million head in 2025. 
The reason for the increases is due to good breeding conditions, due to favourable weather, a national investment in flock genetics, high lambing percentage and confidence in the sector looking at global opportunities. These global opportunities include the decrease of the New Zealand flock due to land use changes and the dairy herd increasing, a declining US national flock and high global demand for protein. In addition, the Australians see great opportunity within the UK, with trade deals allowing for better market access and seasonal dips of supply in the UK. They have a keen eye on our inflation increasing and the possible removal of subsidy, which will both put extreme pressure on our production. With their increased flock combined with the reduction in New Zealand flock, they are preparing to grow this market into the UK over time. However, our domestic flock is also growing, while the French flock is shrinking. The UK sheep industry is fully integrated to export chilled lamb and import lamb to smooth out seasonal supply. But is there enough demand and margin to take more Australian and can the consumer pay for UK lamb? Now we have the budget update. On the 15th of March, Jeremy Hunt revealed his first UK government budget detailing plans for tax and public spending for this financial year. Alongside this, the Office for Budget Responsibility shared fiscal forecasts for the next five years, accounting for policies in this budget. A number of announcements which will impact agriculture and personal finances in 2023 and beyond. The energy crisis had a major detrimental impact on the entire UK economy. Now that the energy squeeze is abating, the economy is expected to contract less than previously thought and the government has slightly more fiscal space to manoeuvre. GDP will be higher than expected due to this easing of energy prices, as well as population growth from in-migration. However, real household disposable income expected to fall by 6% between 2021-22 and 2023-24. The UK is currently experiencing the steepest fall in living standards since records began in 1950s, which are not expected to return to pre-pandemic levels until 2028. The impact of the trade shock resulting from the energy crisis and structural weakness in economy. The first move that this flexibility has allowed government to take is to keep the energy price guarantee at £2,500 for a typical household until June 2023 after which point prices are not expected to exceed this anyway. The price cap is not a limit on bills, but is effectively a limit on unit price charge based on units used by a typical household. Wholesale energy prices are falling, and in July it is expected that the off-gem price cap, which caps what suppliers can charge, will be lowered to around £2,200 below government support levels. In line with expectations, fuel duty will remain frozen for another year, including the previous 5 pence cut. A planned increase from 19% to 25% for the top rate of corporation tax has been confirmed. Companies making profits below £50,000 will be fully taxed at 19%. Those with profits over £250,000 will be fully taxed at 25%. While those falling between these figures will be taxed on a tapered scale. To help compensate for the increase in these tax rates, the Treasury have announced some additional changes. 
Firstly, they have announced a provision for full expensing, called 100% first year allowance from the 1st of April 2023 until the 31st of March 2026, potential to be extended in future. Companies will be able to write off the full cost of qualifying main rate plant and machinery investment in the year of investment, while special rate assets will get a 50% first year allowance in the same period. Next, the annual investment allowance is to remain at £1 million permanently. This is relevant to unincorporated businesses who do not qualify for full expensing, which will benefit many farmers in particular. Unlike full expensing, this will apply at 100% to special rate assets, unincorporated businesses and second-hand assets. Lastly, eligible SMEs who spend more than 40% on research and development will receive £27 from HMRC for every £100 of research and development investment they make. Hunt outlined his plan as a budget for growth and the OBR forecasts agree especially due to policies put in place to address falls in labour force participation. First of these is to expand free childcare for working parents of nine months to two years old, currently 30 hours per week for three and four-year-olds. Although this provision is currently only available in England, the rest of the UK will receive reciprocal funding under the Barnett formula, so there's a strong chance that a similar scheme will be announced in Scotland in due course. The budget also increases the requirement for more parents and carers claiming universal credit to increase their hours or seek work. Finally, a new disability employment programme is expected to further increase employment. Annual tax-free pension allowance will be increased from £40,000 to £60,000. This generosity of tax treatment will be particularly useful for farming businesses who have seen exceptional profits within a year. Further to this, the pension's lifetime allowance, currently £1.07 million, is to be abolished. For those with more than this amount in their pensions, a very small proportion, will no longer pay tax on money taken from their pension savings that exceed the protected lifetime allowance of 55%. These measures are expected to have a positive effect on employment. Milk production statistics from AHDB Dairy show that output for February 2023 is estimated at 1,151.92 million litres before butterfat adjustment, an increase of 23.16 million litres on a year-on-year basis. Cumulative UK production for the 2022-23 milk year to the end of February 2023 stands at 13,581.03 million litres before butterfat adjustment. Cumulative production to the end of February 2023 is now only 20.87 million litres lower than the same time last year. The UK average milk price for January 2023 is estimated at 49.2 pence per litre, down 2.4 pence per litre from the December 22 average price. The average milk price for January 2023 is nonetheless some 13.72 pence per litre higher than the average price one year earlier during January 2022. Announcements for March and April 2023 are as follows. Please note that the following prices are in pence per litre. Arla Foods Amber, a 
late announcement at the end of February for March milk prices. The Arla milk price reduced by €4 Euro cents from the 1st of March. The manufacturing standard litre price reduced by 3.52 from 48.47 to 44.95. The liquid standard litre price reduced by 3.39 from 46.57 to 43.18. Tesco. The Tesco Sustainable Dairy Group milk price is too reduced by 1.5 from the 1st of April, in line with the reduction to the Muller Direct milk price reduction. The decrease takes the liquid standard litre price down from 44 to 42.50. The milk price will reduce from 43.75 to 42.25 for all the TSGG members. Sainsbury's 0.54 price reduction from the 1st of April. This takes the liquid standard litre price down from 44.44 to 43.90 for Muller suppliers. All the members of SDDG will receive the same 0.54 reduction from April and will see their price move down from 44.32 to 43.78. Co-op, 1.18 price reduction from 1st of April. This takes liquid standard litre price down from 44.15 to 42.97. Muller Direct, 1.5 price cut from the 1st of April. This takes the liquid standard litre price for Scottish suppliers down from 43.75 to 42.25. Muller Lidl, 1.5 price cut to the Muller Lidl fixed price contract from the 1st of April. This reduction is in line with the reduction to the Muller Direct milk price and this takes the standard litre price down from 44.0 to 42.5. Graham's Dairies, 2.0 reduction from the 1st of April. This takes the liquid standard litre price down from 40 to 38. First Milk, 3.0 price cut confirmed from the 1st of April. First Milk liquid price is 41.27 and First Milk Manufacturing is 42.69. Fresh Milk Company, 2.31 price cut from the 1st of April. This takes liquid standard litre price down from 41.81 to 39.5. Utree Dairy. 2.0 reduction to A volume litres from the 1st of April. This takes the liquid standard litre price down from 44 to 42. Arla Direct's 3.53 price cut from the 1st of April. The manufacturing standard litre price reduces from 45.93 to 42.40. The liquid standard litre reduces from 44.09 to 40.70. For the main UK dairy commodities prices for March, butter has fallen to £4,060 per tonne and mild cheddar has fallen to £4,200 per tonne. Skim milk powder has risen to £2,230 per tonne and bilk cream rises to £1,610 per tonne. Dates for your diary. Digital Dairy Chain. Knowledge Exchange event takes place on the 19th of April 2023 at Easterbrook Hall, Crichton, Dumfries. This is a free event to attend with tea, coffee and lunch provided. For more details, please email rachel.cook 
at sruc.ac.uk. Now, let's move on to Scottish farm business income for 2021 to 2022. Average farm business income is at the highest for the last 10 years at £50,000 and it's also the first year that the average farm is profitable without support payments at an average farm business income of £5,100. The main drivers for this apparent rosy picture are the large increases in farm business income seen on dairy and cereal farms. This is due to higher prices for milk, wheat and barley in this year. Overall, agricultural output on all farms is up by 10%, which more than offsets the rise in input costs, which here are up by an average of 6%. Published recently on March 30th, Farm Business Income Estimates for Scotland 2021-2022 to is the Scottish Government's definitive economic analysis of over 400 Scottish farms in the traditionally supported sectors. Farm business income is equivalent to net profit for a business and these results include figures up to the end of May 2022. They therefore do not include the sustained period of high input costs in 2022 to 2023. These statistics have value for all in the industry. They help the industry establish long-term trends and they're a window of understanding the economic evidence the Scottish Government uses to inform its agricultural policy. However, the average livestock farm remained loss-making without support. The role of support payments is particularly evident not only in less favoured area livestock farms, but also to a lesser extent in lowland livestock farms. There is also a sustained number of farms across the board whose farm business income is less than zero, even with support. The average figure both this and last year remains at approximately one-fifth of these farms. This is borne out by the ranges of farm business income found within the sample. And although dairy and cereal farms have the highest farm business income this year, averaging £162,100 for dairy and £84,600 for cereals, they also have the widest ranges of farm business income. In the last five years, 350 farms have remained in the sample. In this subset, those farms that have diversified activities show a sustained higher farm business income. Just because a farm diversifies does not mean it is necessarily profitable. However, there is something here suggesting that opportunities present themselves in a diversified farming setting. Indeed, looking closer, mixed farms out of all the farm types have the largest percentage of their overall farm business income attributable to diversified activities at 17%. So what does the future hold? Sustained high input costs through 2022-23 to 23 has brought its challenges. In addition, the volatility within those price rises makes the timing of purchases of inputs difficult to get right. DEFRA publish forecasts based on industry prices and their FBS data up to February 2023. This may provide a view of what is to come next year in Scotland. Although a less robust analysis and Scotland has retained its BPS payment, it demonstrates an even more polarised year for profitability between sectors. Dairy incomes rise further by over two-thirds with a concomitant significant drop in grazing livestock. 
For more information, please visit the Farm Business Income in England 2022-23 forecast on the UK Government website. Although the rising prices for livestock seen in recent weeks are a boost, that increase has not come before time and its continuation has the potential to reverse this trend. Next up, we have the Northern Ireland Protocol Update. In late February, Westminster announced the Windsor Framework, a new proposal to resolve ongoing post-Brexit trade issues around the Northern Ireland Protocol. This new version proposes a two-lane system for imports to Northern Ireland, a green lane for Northern Ireland-destined products from the UK with few checks, and a red lane for EU-destined products with full customs checks. This announcement has been welcomed by both the EU and most politicians and businesses in Northern Ireland in offering the best solution so far to ensure ongoing freedom of trade. However, while the DUP agree that the framework addresses trade issues in principle, it argues that practicalities are still vague and it doesn't address the continued issue of EU sovereignty in Northern Ireland. In relation to having to adhere to EU law on EU-designed products within the country's borders. As such, the DUP continue to block the deal by refusing to join in the power-sharing agreement required for Stormont to sit under the Good Friday Agreement, blockading parliamentary sittings and creating frustrations in Northern Ireland as administrative concerns build up. An early version of the protocol was rejected due to the suggestion of border customs checkpoints, which were expected to essentially create a hard border and targets for violence. A following version suggested an Irish sea border has received equal concerns about hugely increased costs and lack of food availability in Northern Ireland, with the proposal essentially cutting Northern Ireland off administratively in terms of trade from the rest of the UK. Previously, Northern Ireland businesses, many of which are smaller and less able to order on scale or absorb costs, have faced large fees for shipments, particularly those for products where vet or plant health inspections have been required. The expected changes for agriculture-related products under the Westminster framework include agri-foods. Previously, Northern Ireland was subject to third-country checks and controls, spot checking of a large proportion of shipments for physical checks, plus vet or official signed certificates for each type of product per shipment, with each certificate costing £150. Beyond the extension provided by the EU, there would have been a ban on import of chilled meats, for example sausages, mince, lamb joints, etc. A temporary extension has allowed this to continue, but needed to be resolved or face a future where imports must meet full EU standards. Individual and expensive certificates are no longer needed, as well as vastly reduced need for physical checks of Green Lane imports. Continued chilled meat products to be allowed, and UK health, marketing and production standards, same as Great Britain. Continued access to the Republic of Ireland through Northern Ireland, with relevant EU checks on red lane shipments and no hard border, just checks at port. Plants, seeds and agricultural machinery. The ban on seed potatoes will be lifted, meaning British seed stock can move to Northern Ireland again. 
the ban on high-risk trees and shrubs will be lifted to allow for greater planting in the next season. No certification requirements, removal of burdensome paperwork for plants and other phytosanitary certificate checks. Switch away from plant passports to plant labels. The recent vote in favour in the Commons is positive news for Sunak and the EU will have to make legislative changes to implement the agreement, which may take some time, but it is expected that the framework will come into force in autumn 2023. In preparation, businesses will register as a trusted trader with HMRC to allow for pre-approval for export and smooth logistical and administrative process. This will mean no routine checks or controls on goods at ports for shipments through the Green Lane. The deal would be a huge relief to the agri-food sector in Northern Ireland and beyond. Northern Ireland exports to Ireland account for 17% of all UK exports to Ireland, led by dairy produce, eggs and animal feeds. Dairy exports account for 41% of all UK exports to Ireland. In addition, 64.1% of Northern Ireland agri-food exports come to Great Britain, driven by beef and sheep trade. Movement for processing has historically been crucial, with Northern Ireland processing milk and livestock in the Republic due to lack of capacity, and the Republic packing potatoes in the North. The framework may not solve challenges of continued customs, compatibility and checks across the UK-EU border, but will begin to smooth the processes for Northern Ireland businesses to adapt and reduce the cost and administrative burden of operation. Finally, we will move on to input costs and seasonal workers. The regulations of seasonal worker sponsor licences apply to any overseas national that a UK farm wishes to employ if they are not a settled worker or do not otherwise have immigration permission to work for you in the UK. A settled worker would include an EU, EEA and Swiss citizen who has been granted pre-settled or settled status under the EU settlement scheme, Irish citizens or a Commonwealth citizen with the right to abode. To confirm criteria for immigration permission to work in the UK, the sponsorship guidance should be consulted. Seasonal workers can be sponsored for a maximum period of six months in any 12-month period. Individual employers and businesses cannot apply for a sponsor licence to bring in workers via the seasonal worker route. Only those who are DEFRA approved and licensed by the Gangmasters and Labour Abuse Authority and therefore deemed as approved scheme operators can do so. There are currently seven operators approved specifically for seasonal worker licences. There are 45,000 visas for seasonal workers available for the horticultural sector in 2023, with an additional 2,000 visas for the poultry sector. Many seasonal workers arrived late to the UK in 2022 as a result of the war in Ukraine. Therefore, these workers will be permitted to re-enter five months after their 2022 leave expired, rather than having to wait the full six months. This will only apply for 2023 to enable businesses to have staff in place for the start of the 2023 harvesting season. Normal rules will apply for 2024 onwards. The regulations of the Scottish Agricultural Wages Board apply to seasonal workers. The rates of pay are set on the 1st of April annually. The minimum hourly rate 
for all workers as of the 1st of April 2023 will be £10.42, while those with qualifications in the sector they're working in would receive a £1.55 per hour top-up, taking their minimum wage to £11.97 per hour. Qualifications include a Scottish or National Vocational Qualification in Agriculture or Horticulture at SCQF Level 6 or above. This includes a Certificate of Apprenticeship in Agriculture. The Agricultural Wages, a guide for workers and employers, is a useful reference document on pay, working hours and benefits for agricultural workers. The guide is available in full in Bulgarian and Polish. Although it's an abbreviated document covering the key features in Russian, Belarusian, Moldovian, Romanian, Ukrainian, Nepalese, Latvian and Kazakhstani. Copies of this guide can be sourced by contacting Scottish Agricultural Wages Board on 0131 244 9750 or email sawb at gov.scot. Eligibility for overtime payments depends on the length of time working with that employer and the number of hours worked. For workers with up to 26 weeks continuous service, overtime must be paid when a worker works for more than 8 hours on any day or for more than 48 hours in any week. For workers with more than 26 weeks service, overtime must be paid when a worker works for more than 8 hours on any day or for more than 39 hours in any week. Overtime is calculated at one and a half times the minimum hourly rate to which the worker is entitled. From the 1st of April 2023, any deduction an employer makes from a wage in respect of accommodation other than a house, caravans or static homes, shall not exceed £9.50 per day. The deduction must only be made for each day in the week that living accommodation is provided. The accommodation itself must be clean, wind and watertight and have met all legislative safety checks such as gas, electricity and water tests for Legionnaire's disease. To avoid worker exploitation, washing and toilet facilities should be provided on site. The provision of weather protective clothing for employees and the replacement of any clothing that is no longer fit for use is the responsibility of the employer, not the employee. Thanks very much for listening to this podcast of the April 2023 Agribusiness News. This edition was edited by Anna Sellers and included articles written by Christine Beaton, Mark Bauscher-Gibbs, Leslie Wiley, Kirsten Williams, Brady Stevens, Andrew Coulter, Alistair Beatty, Sasha Grierson, Mary Dalgleish and Anna Sellers. Presented by myself, Tiffany McTaggart and produced by Alistair Trail.